0: Hello, and welcome to the Summit College Love Your Neighbor podcast, a podcast designed to help college students love their neighbor on the college campus in both word and deed in our complex cultural moment. I'm Josh Ferguson, the Summit College Discipleship Director, and for today's podcast, we'll be discussing loving your neighbor in a COVID age. I'll be giving us three countercultural postures that Scripture calls us to take to display the love of Christ to our neighbor in a COVID age. And then Wes Smith, Summit College pastor, and Elizabeth Hughes, Summit College Women's Director, will join me to discuss some ways to practically live out those postures on the college campus. So let's dive in. So let me just start with this. The only thing that has been normal or certain these past five months in this pandemic is that nothing has been certain or normal. No one really knows what they're doing, and people are honestly a mixed bag of fear, frustration, and skepticism. And not to mention, for the first time in history, we're dealing with a pandemic in a social media age, which means millions of people with strong opinions and very little facts But the confidence of an expert, because they read a few articles or quotes they saw on Twitter, have a platform to air their opinions to the world. And I actually saw this funny um, Facebook meme, which said, wow, that's odd. Just three weeks ago, all of my friends on Facebook were political scientists, and now they're all immunologists. So let's be real. When we think about loving your neighbor in a COVID age, everyone has varying levels of fear, skepticism, or frustration. So how do we even begin to love people well? Well, from what we see in scripture and church history, we know that in times of crisis and darkness, the people of God have the opportunity to shine the brightest because we are a people who, even though we live in a world full of confusion and brokenness around us, are primarily citizens of heaven, filled with the eternal love, hope, and confidence of our God in heaven. So the way we approach this crisis should look very different than the world and be a source of light and hope to the world. So I want to give us three countercultural postures that will display to your neighbor on the college campus the love of Christ and show the world that you belong to a different kingdom in the middle of this pandemic. So the first posture to take in this COVID age is a posture of countercultural sacrifice. So you've probably seen or heard of people who view wearing a mask as if it's stripping them of their freedom, or more likely on the college campus, we see students who don't think it's that big of a deal since they're not really in the high-risk category. Right, So they may wear a mask to avoid getting fined by the university, but there's a little motivation outside of that. Well, how does Scripture call us to approach certain freedoms and comforts we may feel like we're entitled to? And we actually see Scripture calls us to be willing to give up certain comforts or freedoms for the sake of others and the sake of the gospel. And is this not the heart of Christianity, a God who gave up the comfort of heaven and willingly died on a cross for the sake of making his enemies his children? Or look at Paul who seems happy to give up his freedom for the sake of loving others. Right, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, verses 22 to 23, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And listen to this, he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So Paul's essentially saying, I'm willing to sacrifice any freedom I have for the sake of others and the sake of the gospel. So listen, there's a lot at stake for the Christian witness during COVID. And I I totally get that it's uncomfortable to wear a mask, right? The regulations are sometimes unclear and we are all very over awkward Zoom calls and ready for these restrictions to be lifted. But now that there's actually some evidence that a mask, social distancing, quarantining, hand sanitizer, avoiding large gatherings can actually slow the spread of the virus and save lives then listen to this. Do we want the non-believing world to look at Christians as reckless virus super spreaders who put their own freedoms, whether that is large gatherings in person as soon as possible, or to not wear masks unless absolutely mandated, ahead of the health of the larger community? Or do we want them to look at Christians as servants to all, willing to forego their freedoms out of Christ-like neighbor love? And even if you think Even if you are not at high risk or you think that COVID is a hoax or whatever, isn't it worth it to wear a mask for the sake of your neighbor who doesn't? Wouldn't we rather be seen as a people willing to sacrifice than those who hold so tightly to our comfort or our freedom that we aren't willing to give that up for the sake of others? To wear a mask, to obey government regulations, it's not a political statement. It is to say, I'm willing to sacrifice for the good of others, even if I may not agree with the regulations because I care more. About being a witness of the sacrificial love of Christ than I do holding on to my rights or comfort. So, college student, for the sake of your neighbor and the gospel, are you willing to forego certain comforts or freedoms, wear a mask, and obey government regulations to display the sacrificial love of Jesus? The second posture to take in this COVID age is a posture of countercultural nuance. If this season of COVID has revealed anything, it is that social media and news outlets thrive on unnuanced, hyperpartisan, all caps rage, right? Like an article that says coronavirus is fake or Trump is ruining our country in all caps gets way more attention than an article that says a balanced approach to the coronavirus or some positives and negatives of the Trump administration. I mean, we're, we are usually like, "Ooh, Trump is ruining our country." That sounds fun. That sounds like something I should repost and get some instant insta love for or vice versa, depending on whose approval you're going for, right? But here's the thing. The truth regarding things like the coronavirus is rarely as simple as Twitter would have us think. And to take a position of nuance is so countercultural, and it probably won't get you as much attention on social media, but it's also so biblical. So what does this countercultural nuance look like? Well, to be nuanced is to avoid the extremes we see so many in our culture taking that results in outrage towards anyone who doesn't subscribe to your view. And it means to take a a biblical both and posture instead, right? So what I mean by that with COVID is it means to avoid the extremes of either fear or irresponsibility and to prioritize both biblical courage and gentleness instead, right? So it means we have a healthy balance of some skepticism of what we see in the news while not resorting to conspiracy theories. And also we can honor the government while still engaging in civil pushback when necessary. So listen, to take this posture of nuance towards your neighbor, it means you avoid labeling them as worrywarts or as irresponsible, and you approach them with gentleness, humility, and grace. And this helps us avoid thinking the worst of people and also can see that sometimes the other side of the debate might be right. And listen to what Scripture says in Ephesians 4, right? That we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Humility, gentleness, patience. Which one of those do you need right now? I mean, all of them are involved in having nuance, right? We're to walk with humility that recognizes we don't have all the answers, we don't know what we should do, and we are thankful for those in positions of leadership trying their best. We're to walk with gentleness to where even if we disagree with others, we do so in a kind way that acknowledges there is room for nuance and disagreement in especially the uncharted waters of the coronavirus. We're to walk with patience, even if things are moving slower than we would like because we trust God's timing and word more than our own time frame, and recognize that things like reopening and going back to normal is more complex than a few articles on Twitter might make it appear. So to be nuanced towards our neighbor in a COVID age is to live in the world of both and, rather than labeling and assuming the worst about people as either irresponsible or cowards and worry words. So listen, having nuance is not the same thing as saying all truth is relative, right? It's really important. There are things as Christians we are unnuanced about, Right? That is the unchanging truth of the gospel of Jesus. But to have nuance is to recognize with something as uncertain and ever-changing as COVID, we want to be known as those marked by compassion, gentleness, and humility, rather than anger, hysteria, and judgment. So the third posture to take in this COVID age is a posture of countercultural contentment. And this is the virtue I think on the college campus is so rare. Right? We live in a world where you basically make friends and bond through complaining. Right, like we say, no way, you're pissed about that class or these Zoom calls, me too, let's be besties. But we see Paul saying in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We could add in a pandemic or not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm not saying to be content means you're dishonest about how you feel or you refuse to ignore reality. I'm saying in the face of your feelings and acknowledging the reality, you say there's still a reason I have joy and hope and it's not that this virus will pass as much as I'd like it to or that I pass this class as much as I want it to or whatever, but rather it is that Christ is my joy. Elizabeth Elliot says the secret to joy, to contentment is Christ in me and not a different set of circumstances. See, scripture commands us in two things regarding contentment. One is to not complain, Philippians 2.14, and the other is to rejoice always, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And how countercultural, to not complain and rejoice always, even when life is hard and crazy. And that can only be the power of Christ in me. There's a story of Corrie ten Boom, uh, who was a Dutch Christian who helped uh, Jews escape Nazi Germany until she was caught and sent to a concentration camp. And because of the filth that she lived in, she and most of the other women in the camp had fleas. But Corey's sister tried to encourage her to thank God even for the fleas, because Scripture commands us to rejoice always. And Corey replied, Well, there's no way God can make me grateful for a flea. But then a few days later, while they're meeting in secret for a worship service, it dawned on her that the the guards would never inspect their barracks. And if they had, they would certainly have confiscated their Bibles, beat them, or worse. And then suddenly she realized why. The guards were afraid of getting fleas. Even in the fleas, she said later, God was at work. So college student, can you thank God for the quote-unquote fleas in your life? Right? Will you fit in with the rest of campus by complaining about masks and Zoom? Or will you rejoice and be content because in Christ you have all you need for everlasting joy? Philippians 2, 14, uh, 15 even says, Do all things without complaining that you may shine as lights in the world. In other words, one of the most powerful witnesses to display Jesus to our campus is to be marked by rejoicing rather than complaining. So before you start to complain, just ask the question, does this show the world that Christ is my joy? Or will this complaint reveal that my joy is tied to the comfort of the world? So now, I want to welcome Elizabeth Hughes and uh, Wes Smith to talk through some practical ways we can live out these biblical postures of sacrifice, nuance, and contentment. Before we get started, a few things you need to know about Elizabeth West. Okay, so Elizabeth's real name is actually Kathleen, and she was bitten by a shark when surfing on the Pacific Coast her junior year of high school, and actually has a scar on her left shin bone to prove it. Um, You can ask her about that. Uh, Wes was actually a powerlifter in college and once deadlifted over 600 pounds. Um, So with that, welcome Kathleen and Wes. Uh, we're gonna start this thing <laughs> off and actually hear from you guys. Um, about
1: <laughs> why is Wes is like cool and mine's about a right, shark like, eating. Right. Right.
2: Why is why is Elizabeth still more believable? <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> okay, what is
1: Whoa, being dead.
0: being bitten by a shark is like the fun fact for life everyone definitely envies. So yeah, I, if it
1: were true.
0: It's uh, not true. No one, it's, no one needs to know that. Do you have
2: a scar on your
1: shin,
0: though?
2: No. Oh, okay. I, was literally, <laughs> I literally just wondered at that point. I was like, well, anyway, um, I
0: like... <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to start off with a, a fun question. Um, so what is one awkward or funny encounter that you all have had with someone while wearing a mask?
1: Mm. You can go first,
0: Wes. All right. Well,
2: um, the first one I can think of was me and Logan... Intern Logan, actually, shout out—he's back mm-hmm. right on the he show is. here. We were uh, <laughs> prayer walking on campus the other day, and you know, we we're just prayer walking, praying out loud, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this guy—we we were like walking. This guy just stops and looks at me. He's like, "Hey, what, man?" And I'm like, I look at Logan. I'm like, "What's going on?" And then this guy—he like, because we were wearing masks, he couldn't tell that I wasn't actually talking to him or or anything oh, like that. And no. so it was really awkward. The <laughs> other thing is, I was on campus the other day. I was doing fresh tan meeting all these students and I was talking to this guy for maybe like 30 minutes and then all of a sudden I took my mask off to like get a, uh, like a drink of water and he was like oh man you're way older than i thought <laughs>
0: so it also oh the mustache was yeah, unveiled right so wow. you know, that's yeah that's I mean, pros and cons of that. That's crazy. You know, obviously, it's it's a bummer. You don't realize you're actually 45 years old. But the pro is, if you have a mustache, <laughs> then you can hide it if it's like, you know, you don't really want people to see it. Right, so. yeah. Instead the of like creeper, shaving, the creeper just wear, stash. wear a mustache. <laughs> why why, why, yeah, why stash would you not just <laughs> shave it? I haven't, I haven't yeah. shaved in months yeah. because I wear a mask now. Right. Why would you? No one sees that.
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I don't really have a funny story. I will say... I still have yet to master how to wear a mask with glasses. Mm. It's so hard.
0: That's true. It's like that's yep, brutal.
1: Sometimes my glasses fog up because of the humidity, I think, and then sometimes the mask maybe is just positioned in the wrong place. I really can't figure it out. So if someone has answers out there, I need to I need to know what to do.
0: Yeah, because then not only can no one see your mouth, but they can't see your eyeballs. <laughs> so they don't yeah. know if you have like, teeth or especially- eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would say, one, I mean, an awkward encounter I had, uh, I think if someone is wearing sunglasses and the mask, then I really have no idea if they're looking at me or paying any attention to anything I'm saying. So it's just, it's tough to read the room in that situation. All right, so um, any other awkward encounters you guys have had? All right, great. No. So uh, So we talked about how sacrifice for the sake of neighbor is one of the most Christian things we can do as we look to Christ who gave his life for us. So what does it look like Uh, on the college campus today to sacrifice for the sake of neighbor in a COVID age?
2: Yeah, I think a couple of things. Um, Josh, you already hit on the two kind of major ones. One is just like wearing a mask and social distancing. Obviously, whether you agree with it or not, that is just uh, both from Luke 10, seeing that we are to um, love our neighbor and to think about others before ourselves, but also just obey the government, which Romans 13 kind of talks about. So that'll be one. The other thing I would say, even maybe specifically now we're back on campus, would be, you know, if you are around anyone that has a positive test or if you're having any symptoms, one of the ways you can really love your neighbor is just to choose to self-quarantine and go ahead and go get a test. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is it's going to be really hard on campus because you're going to feel like, hey, it's okay, I don't feel that bad, or it's not Mm -hmm. a big of a deal, or you can be like, I'll just do this one thing. But when we're doing that, we're really not thinking of others first. We're just thinking of how, you know, we don't want to miss out on an experience for Mm -hmm. ourselves. And so I think one of the ways we can do that it's just think, okay, I might be missing out on a fun experience, but this is one of the ways that I can love and serve the community and love and serve those around me. Even me, I, that's happened, happened to me already one time is that something I wanted to do, but I was just having a little bit of symptoms. And so I chose like just not to go to those things. And so, yeah, you're going to miss out sometimes, but I think it's just a, a, a easy way and a good way just to love our neighbor.
1: Yeah, those are really good reasons I think another thing would just be to be asking people good questions and talking to them about how they feel about COVID I think there are a lot Mm -hmm. more like pressures in social settings I was talking about this with a friend of like you don't know when you go somewhere if people are wearing their masks if they're more cautious than you if they're less cautious than you and so Mm -hmm. I think even starting those conversations can be a really good way of loving people and just asking like what are you comfortable with and how can I do what is comfortable for you? Now, obviously if their convictions like don't align with yours or your conscience is like stricter, you don't need to, I guess, like let go of that and just do whatever everyone else is doing. But if um, you're with someone and what they would feel more comfortable with is a little more strict, I guess, than you would be, I think you sacrifice and do what would be most, most helpful for them, and not just thinking about what is most comfortable for me. I've, like, yeah, felt that a lot in COVID really of, even with wearing a mask, how can I put other people first, mm-hmm. and how can I actually embrace this opportunity to sacrifice and lay down some preferences I have, and actually have that be, like, even a spiritual conversation with the Lord of, okay, God, how do I deny my flesh and put others first?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really, I didn't think of, um, we're going through Philippians in the reading plan, and Uh, I love how Paul talks about Timothy and he says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare Mm. for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And I think that's such a good posture that for us and our students to have of we're just genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. Mm -hmm. And what a like, I mean, awesome testimony to our campus that would be. Yeah, so essentially uh, we're saying some big tips are to obey government regulations even when it's uncomfortable and ask questions that show more concern for others over, over yourself. So next week we talked about how a posture of nuance is so rare but so necessary for the Christian witness. Uh, one that approaches something as confusing as the coronavirus with a biblical both and mentality full of boldness and gentleness rather than the extremes we see in our world of fear or irresponsibility or neglect. So what are some ways... Elizabeth West, that college students can approach the coronavirus with nuance.
2: Yeah, first off, Josh, we were just talking earlier how proud we are of you using that word nuance. <laughs> so I thought it was really impressive that you found that one. So that was a great word to describe the situation. Yeah. So. It's a big yeah. word. Yeah. I had to use it with the thesaurus for, I mean,
0: Solid 15 minutes to find that one.
2: Yeah, well, great, great got work. It. Yeah. Um, so what I would say the first thing, just with nuance, is just giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you see somebody mm. on campus that for some reason they're not wearing their mask or walking across the campus, don't just, like, assume that they're, like, conspiracy theorists or, like, all these different things. Basically, what I would encourage you to do is don't assign somebody motive just because of the action you're seeing because you don't yeah, act, you yeah. don't actually know why they are doing what they're doing yeah. and so i'll just give them benefit of the doubt that might be a good opportunity to have a conversation you can ask them like why are they choosing not to wear a mask right now or something like that i would just say don't automatically assume the motive just based off someone's
0: action yeah that's really good and i actually i think of a story that happened last week and there's there's a group of some college students off campus um outside in a field eating ice cream they're probably a few more than 25 um so you know that that might be there but Most of their masks uh, were off because they're eating ice cream, and so this lady actually comes up to them, yelling, and Mm. calls them selfish, irresponsible, reckless, and says Mm -hmm. their like blood of their grandparents is on their hands, all that kind of stuff. And so that is not a posture of nuance, Mm. right? That's a posture of I assume these are irresponsible students, uh, even though, and I'm assuming the worst about them, even though they have been wearing masks, doing everything outside, and pretty good about obeying government regulations. Um, Could they have spaced out a little more or broken into groups? Probably, yeah. Um, But if you approach college students without nuance, you just see a group of 30 or so unmasked college students and immediately loop them in with those videos you see of like 300 college Mm -hmm. students partying Mm -hmm. without masks on. So there's certainly a time to, I think in gentleness, confront a friend Mm -hmm. or a group who's clearly disobeying government regulations. Mm -hmm. But even then, the point is to handle that with nuance giving them the benefit of the doubt rather than assuming that person is like reckless or irresponsible. So I love, um, love what you said about that, Wes. Any pro tips for us, Elizabeth? (laughs)
1: Um, well, one I was thinking of was, uh, being quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, I think in, especially in this season, just with how much everyone's been on social media, how much we've been kind of away from each other. I think we've, in some ways, taking a posture of being really quick to speak, even on Mm -hmm. social media, just, okay, I have an opinion, and I can just throw it out there and don't need to think about the impact of it, because it's my opinion, and no one can tell me it's not true. But Mm -hmm. God's Word tells us that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. And so what we say, whether it's written or in person, um, has an impact, and it actually, I mean, bears weight of, like, obviously our witness, but also um, it's a way that we want to upbuild each other is by what we say. And so I think even um, something I've been trying to do recently is examine, okay, what am I saying about coronavirus? Um, And I'm up there with everyone of like, I mean, I wish I wasn't being like prideful sometimes or like judgmental or not giving people the benefit of the doubt, but I've really had to wrestle through some of those things. And I think seeing that come out of my mouth has been actually really helpful to then be able to examine that sin in my heart and be able to ask God to help me not let my opinions or my judgment of others get in the way of how I treat them. And so I think in this season, like on the college campus, we want to be really humble and not judgmental even if you think someone is wrong, God has not made us the judge. Mm-hmm. We can image him and bring justice and help with that, but we we don't have the right uh, to go around judging people and condemning them. That belongs to the Lord, and so I think we need to, like I said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, but also give a lot of grace and be really compassionate for those around us, um, because we're all sinners, and we're all trying to figure out how to walk through this, and so I think with humility and like you were saying, just even gentleness um is a way that we can image God and love those around us.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so and that's that is so countercultural because it's such a like easy way to bond when you're like, Can you believe that person who's just oh, being a yeah. stupid idiot, you know, and not wearing their mask? But to have that like nuance and and really posture of like, Well, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt rather than just, you know, basically gossip. Like I feel like we can couch gossip with like talk about COVID and and totally
1: or we just like want our opinions to be heard and so Mm -hmm. we just say whatever we want and do not give a thought to Mm -hmm. what it means or who could be around Mm -hmm. like you don't know what people think or what they've been through so we need to be really careful with our words right yeah that's really good
0: so essentially uh to sum that up uh, ways for college students to to do this is to give the benefit of the doubt and don't assign motive to people's actions Um, not assuming the worst, and be quick to listen and slow to speak. So last, we talk about having a posture of countercultural contentment, one that rejoices always, even if things are hard, and avoids the complaining we see so much of on the college campus. So what are some practical tips for being content on a college campus where so many relationships are built on complaining or, or grumbling?
2: Yeah, verse that I actually just thought of when we were talking about this is First Peter one six. It says, "In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials." And in that one verse, it says, "As Christians, we are both. It's okay for us to both be grieving and mm-hmm. rejoicing." Mm-hmm. So in the midst of what's going on, it's okay to be grieving over, over mm-hmm. like you know what you've lost, the opportunities, even that we can't gather together. It's okay to be even grieving the bigger things of the suffering that's going on in our world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. Even as a Christian, we are, we are still have the opportunity to rejoice because a lot of the things that we find our joy in are things that cannot be taken away by COVID. So the, so the reality is that, um, you know, the fact that our names are written in the book of life, that cannot be taken away by COVID. We want to gather together, yes. But even more than gathering together here, we should be longing for Revelation 7 where we all get to gather together with every tribe, tongue, nation, just gathered around the throne. So a lot That's of the true. things that we find our joy in right now, um, that we, we should be looking to find our joy in, haven't changed because of COVID. So I think it's a really amazing opportunity for us as believers to show where our joy is actually found. That, yeah, we can mm-hmm. grieve and be disappointed, and that's totally fine. That's to be expected. But also, our greater hope, our greater joy, are th- something that COVID can't touch. So I think that's, that's the first thing. And the way, the way that we can continually remind ourselves of all these different things is just by looking at in Scripture daily, spending daily time in God's Word. I think uh, if you're looking for a place yeah. to look, I think even looking at Ephesians 1, just spending some time in there and just looking at all the different gifts, then all the different blessings that we have in Christ, and mm-hmm. all of those blessings are things that COVID can't take away. So as you were saying earlier, one of the most powerful witnesses we actually have right now mm-hmm. is the fact of how we respond in the midst of COVID by continually rejoicing, even when some things around us are really difficult.
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: That's awesome. Um, I think for me, even something I was convicted of the other day when I was reading Philippians, Paul's talking about grumbling. He, like, kind of mentions it in passing at one point. And I just stopped for a second and thought about what the past few weeks had kind of looked like with how I was thinking about the semester. Um, And I think grumbling, honestly, maybe not always was it verbalized to other people, but I think I have had a heart posture Even just with school and the fall starting this way, I think I've been really having kind of a bad attitude about it and complaining, at least in my heart with the Lord, of why is it like this? Why can't you change it? Why can't we go on campus the way we wanted to? Why can't we have Black Mountain? Like all these lists of things that I was just, I think, frustrated that were changed because of COVID. I mean, I feel like the Lord uh, was using Philippians and even some of the passages y'all had mentioned about, and even Paul's life, how much he's rejoicing and being thankful in the midst of trial and suffering. Um, And I was just thinking about how like I want to fight to have that attitude, but it really is a fight. And so I started the other day, which hopefully I'll keep up with this, but writing down at the end of each day, like three or four things I'm thankful for and just using that honestly as a discipline to get my mind to start looking for the gifts that God has given me in this season and things to be thankful for. And so I think that's a way that we can one, uh, try to do that on our own, like in our time with the Lord is what are we thankful for? But then also in community, like I need people to call me out when I'm starting to have a complaining or grumbling attitude, Mm -hmm. because really what it impacts is my walk with God. It almost like blinds me, I think, to see his goodness. And I'm just so stuck on myself and on my circumstances. And so I think even as brothers and sisters, we need to do a good job of asking each other in this season what we're thankful for mm-hmm. um, and calling each other out when our attitudes aren't one of thankfulness. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I even just think about like how countercultural would that be if you're like in a group hanging out one night with you know, all your college friends and instead of the conversation being like, man, how much do Zoom classes suck? The conversation is like, yeah. hey, what are you guys thankful for? Like, mm-hmm. what do you praise God mm-hmm. for right now? Mm-hmm. That, that is just such a countercultural question because so much conversation is usually centered around what sucks, mm-hmm. not like, hey, how God has, and I'm, I'm not saying like deny reality like you're saying, Wes, but there is definitely a time to, to grieve, um, but there is this posture of like rejoicing that I think is so countercultural if that's what, yeah. Know, is our conversations are about.
1: But it's not even like when we're grieving, we do it without thankfulness. <laughs> it's like right. somehow yeah. with the Lord, like you're saying, Wes, like Peter was talking about, it's we can grieve and be hopeful at the same time, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. only through the gospel and what through what Christ did on the cross, can we still have joy in our pain?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because in that in that scenario, you even mentioned this earlier with Elizabeth Elliot quote, but it's like if our joy is only found in circumstances then we're only able to grieve or be joyful because it's completely mm. dictated by, you know, circumstances. But if our joy is based off something that is not um, changed by the circumstances, then we can both, like you're saying, we can both grieve when things are hard and not pretend like we're stoic and like, oh, you know, hard things don't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can still be rejoicing. So I think the, the Christian faith is one of the unique ways that you can both balance grieving and rejoicing in the midst of a hard yep. situation.
0: Yeah, that's good. So to summarize, countercultural contentment is to spend time in God's Word rejoicing every day and, and taking time every day to encourage others and um, even like what Elizabeth was saying, maybe make a, uh, a list of things you're thankful for. So every week, we will leave you with a specific application to help you apply all of this and discuss it with your group. For this week, the application is to think about which biblical posture you struggle with, sacrifice, nuance, or contentment. Talk about that with your D group, how you can grow in each of these postures and take at least one action step, right? That could be more consistently wearing a mask, being quicker to rejoice, slower to complain. Uh, But remember, our response to COVID is one of the greatest ways to show our campus our joy is found in Jesus and not comfort. So we're willing to sacrifice anything to display the love of Christ to the world. So Summit College, let's be seen as a people marked by sacrifice, nuance, and contentment to display the love of Jesus in this crazy COVID age. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Summit College Love Your Neighbor podcast. If you wanna dive deeper into all we talked about today, the Gospel Coalition has some great articles we used in putting this together and you can check those out in our show notes. Make sure to subscribe to get the podcast as soon as they drop. And we hope this helps to equip you to love your neighbor in word and deed as you represent Christ on campus.